This is the OTP, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Turn to the folks who've been in the game since 1947. Farm Bureau Health Plans offers the great health care coverage you need with a price tag you can afford. With Amy Wells and I'm Mike Keith, welcoming you to the official Titans podcast as it is Texans week. And also, it is the week that we put Floyd Reese and Jeff Fisher into the Oilers-Titans ring of honor. It's the place that... Titans fans are able to recognize Titans great. Such a cool thing and really fun. I love it when we're able to have these games where we can really recognize the Titans history and see some familiar faces and hear these old stories. Mike Keith, this feels like your time to shine because (laughs) (laughs) you have experienced every minute of Titans history and you had a ton of interactions with both Floyd Reese and Jeff Fisher. With both. I remember the first time I met Jeff Fisher, the Titans then the Tennessee Oilers were located in three different places. So we had a ticket office on West End, and then we had a couple of trailers that were in what is now Lot M. Okay, so that's where I was. I was in one of the trailers. And then the football was out in Bellevue, right off the interstate. It was in what is now, I guess, a St. Thomas Medical Plaza. My eye doctor is in that very building. Okay. There you go. So they were in trailers as well outside the building, and the players' locker room was in the bottom of the building. So they set up a meeting at the end of my first week for me to go out and meet with Jeff Fisher. I started my job with the team the Tuesday following Memorial Day in May in 1998. My family was still living in Knoxville. We were trying to sell the house. So I was going out to see Jeff Fisher, and then I was getting in the car and driving back to Knoxville because I I drove back and forth on Mondays and Fridays. Mm -hmm. And so I, I sat down with Jeff Fisher, and he treated me like he had known me for 100 years. He told me everything going on with the team. He told me what his plans were for certain things. He told me what he was worried about. He talked to me about the coaching staff. He talked to me about the organization, all kinds of personnel things as well. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget walking outside thinking, I need to call somebody and tell them all this. Because I had been a reporter, and one of the things that I did in my job is I broke stories. I didn't break every story, but I broke a goodly number of stories while I worked in Knoxville. And so at that point, I realized, wait a minute, I work for the team now. I can't tell anybody this. You're not a reporter anymore. And so I drove to about Cookville, just gripping the steering wheel like, I mean, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was so strange because I was like, I can't tell anybody this because I have a completely different role in that way. But that was how Jeff always treated me. You know, I was with him for 13 seasons and – He always brought me into the fold. He told me the week that we were going to start Vince Young at quarterback, he swore me to secrecy. And I couldn't even tell other guys that I worked with here, which was really hard because, you know, it was rumored and he was, is he going to start the Dallas game in 2006? And, you know, we were sworn to secrecy, but he always let me in on things. And I had a a lot of great moments with him personally and professionally in that way. It's funny because my first meeting with Floyd Reese – was completely different. It was a shake hands, nice to meet you, good to see you, look forward to working with you. That's it. The end. And yet over the next, because we were together through 2006, over the next nine seasons, 
He was fantastic to me. He brought me into the fold. But it was funny because Jeff and the perception of him publicly is accurate. He is right there, friendly. People who would meet him in Kroger or see him at the ball field as his kids would play would have this reaction about, man, it's like I've known him my whole life. Floyd, it took time. But once you were in the circle of trust, you were in. And something that you don't know, we started Titans All Access because of Floyd Reese. Really? We started the television program quite simply because he was so personable and so good and had had so much success as a GM, and we didn't think he got enough credit. And so we started that TV show because we knew, you know, Jeff had the coaches show, which was wildly successful. It was done out at Opry Mills, and people came, and it was a whole thing. This was going to be a taped statewide, region-wide show, but we wanted to showcase his talents and his personality and how great he was on TV. And, of course, later he came back here and did his own radio show and was outstanding right. on the radio. So that's why we started that. But that was what was really interesting about the two men is they were very different people, but once you were in with them, you were in forever. They were very good at what they did. They were very smart, very committed. Both could be very hard-headed and, and with one another. You know, it's no secret that they didn't always see eye to eye on things, but they were so good together. And I think for both of them, at the end of Floyd's life, which, which unfortunately came in August, and certainly for Jeff now as you listen to him talk, and I know you've got him on the Titans Amy Coach Mac podcast this week, I think they both understand now why they were so good together. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that in the opportunity that I had to talk with Jeff Fisher. And if you're not listening to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast, you should be doing that because it's it's incredible, the stories that he shares. But one of the things that he talks about is them as a duo and how they complemented each other so well and having the benefit of hindsight being able to see why that really sure. worked and how it's laid the foundation for the franchise that we know today mm -hmm. is really, really cool. I mean, the same philosophies and the same type of players and the same personality of a ball club that existed in 99 exists now in 2021. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool to see and hear the stories about how that foundation was really laid so well and it was big for John Robinson that when he got the job Floyd Reese immediately came out and said this is a home run hire because the credibility of Floyd Reese with the Titans fan base only went up after he left right and so when he came back and and began working in the media it was obvious to people that he really really knew what he was talking about and they they knew that but they really knew it when they got to hear him on a day-to-day -day basis, much like Dave McGinnis on Titans Radio. When you hear that, you're like, whoa, that's really good. Yeah. And Floyd would have been a guy who, I mean, he could have done color on Titans Radio. He was that talented. Certainly had that overall ability that, that he could have done it. His handoff, however, his kindness towards John gave John an immediate boost with the fan base. Because you remember at the time, they were hiring a coach, and they were hiring a general manager. 
The decision to promote Malarkey to full-time head coach was met with a great deal of skepticism. Yes, it was. I mean, people were like, eh, I don't know about this. And why don't we go get Nick Saban? And, you know, there were all these things that were out there that were probably not realistic. But the, the Malarkey thing was not sexy. No, it felt very safe. It felt very safe. And people didn't know Amy Adams Strunk at the time. I will contend, as you look back to that moment, it was a good hire because the Titans needed stability. They needed a a really solid person in that role, something that people respected. The same thing we felt when they promoted Malarkey to interim coach. Mm -hmm. Yes, he was a consistent, steadying force who was familiar. You knew what to expect, and he kind of served as – the stabilizing force for the Tennessee Titans when there was a lot of turmoil everywhere else. As a coach and as a human being. Absolutely. And Amy Adams Strunk trusted him, too, because he spent a lot of time talking ball with her and giving her insights. The coaching staff was good. They liked him very much. And, and I mean, he had success. I mean, he had a winning season right off the bat. He helped the Titans turn it around to 9-7 and after five wins the previous two years went to the playoffs the next year, I think it became obvious he was not going to be the long-term answer. Right. But almost like, in hindsight, with Fisher and Reese, you say, wow, they were perfect together. Mm -hmm. You look back now and you say, that probably needed to happen in order to give the organization a chance to get up and running the way that it needed to, to give John Robinson the ability to step in the way he needed to. And so it laid a foundation for what he's been able to do with Mike Vrabel. Absolutely. It gave a first-time general manager someone to lean on who was familiar with what they were doing, familiar with the organization, familiar with the personnel. Mike Malarkey was able to be the consistent kind of piece who could provide a lot of insight to John Robinson, who, while of course was the man for the job, was a brand new general manager. So having a first-time head coach and a first-time general manager together might not have been a smooth transition. Well, exactly, because I don't think Vrabel would have been a candidate at that point in his career. He was elevating himself with the Texans at that point, but it would have been somebody probably like Vrabel. Right, yeah. And if you if you hire somebody like that who's never been a head coach with a first-time general manager, we see the difficulties that can create. Mike Malarkey's a really – he's retired now. Really good football mind. Mm-hmm. Very nice man. And, again, had the respect of everybody, had the respect of the players. And, you know, it didn't work in the end because they saw if we're going to take the next step, if we're going to go from nine and seven – then we're going to have to do some different things. And they knew they had to do some different things to find out if Mariota was going to be the answer. Right. They had to do some things to help him to change all of that. And, you know, they eventually found out he was not. John Robinson had the foresight on March the 15th, 2019, to make one of the greatest trades in franchise history by going and getting Ryan Tannehill and a sixth-round pick that became David Long. Yep. So – I contend, and what excites me is when I tell people the Titans' best days are now. I saw what people consider the best days from a from a ringside seat, and they were great. This is better. Yeah, yeah. This is better. I I get bogged down 
sometimes talking about the past because I keep thinking every time somebody asks me a question about the past that there are a lot of folks who go, oh, man, you know, could you please not tell that story one more time? And I get it. <laughs> it's like my children, you know, you, t- you really, Dad, we have to hear that one Again? more time. Yeah, really? <laughs> we know that happened. <laughs> and, and, and again, I like sharing things from the past, especially on the OTP, because this is where we have the opportunity. I've never told the Fisher and Reese stories about meeting them, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's something that I'd like to be able to share in this medium. But at the same time, I want to talk about now. Right. Now is fantastic. Yeah. Now is, this is awesome. I mean, on the verge of a sixth straight winning season, hey, Reese and Fisher weren't able to do that. They had five good years, but there was a losing season in there where they had a ton of injuries. Yeah. And as good as they were, they and they achieved a ton, didn't quite get it to that. And I think they would both say, if the Titans get one more win and get the sixth straight winning season, particularly if they clinch it on November 21st, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And what this team, what we're seeing right now, and I've said it before, what we're seeing right now is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. This is the stuff that in 5, 10, 15 years, we'll be sitting around, hopefully still on the OTP, Mike, talking about the good old days. And the good old days will be right now. And just the amazing accomplishments of the Tennessee Titans in this season, what they have been able to overcome, how this franchise has been built in the last five years even to get them to this point where they're able to survive in advance week after week after week when there's curveballs all over the place. But you have to win in your windows. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what we found out 99 through 2003. The 2000 team, you know, the 99 team was a yard away from tying the Super Bowl and going to overtime. The 2000 team was the best team in the regular season and had a horrendous day against Baltimore in the playoffs. The 2001 team was the most hyped team we had, and yet they had an unbelievable number of injuries and finished 7-9. and nine. The 2002 team started 1-4, and four, came back, finished 11-5, and five, went to the AFC Championship game, were in control of that game, and then fumbled twice right before halftime, and the game got away from them, and they lose. The 2003 team has the great year with Steve McNair and has the unfortunate moment where Steve McNair suffered a bone spur fracture in his ankle, and he was never quite the same down the stretch. And yet, they're playing in New England, and if Drew Bennett can make what would have been a really tough catch, who knows what happens. When your window is open, you have to walk through. Yeah. And that's where the Titans are at this moment. You want to be in the window. That's the most important thing. You don't give that back. You don't say that's a failure. You, you, but it's hard to finish it. Mm-hmm. And that's where when they made the move away from Mike Malarkey and they made the move away from Marcus Mariota and they've made the decisions they've made all along, It's been how do we take advantage of the window being open? Because let's face it, I don't know what's going to happen in Jacksonville, but I know they got Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And he's the real thing. Yeah, he really is. The Colts are solid. They have a really nice organization. They have a nice team. They've drafted well. Their cap situation is in good shape overall. They're going to be hanging around, and they're going to be in this thing. The team we're going to see on Sunday is really interesting because Houston, where it went wrong for them – 
I mean, they've had some upheaval within their organization. But the fact of the matter is, if Deshaun Watson's quarterbacking this team, mm-hmm. I think they're five and four, six and three right now. I mean, look at the season that he had last year. It was an MVP type year. Yeah, he had incredible numbers. The team as a whole was not playing Horrible. their best football. Okay, they were horrible. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they were horrible in so many different areas. The funny thing, Amy, is they only return a third of the team from last year because they went out and signed 29 veterans. Yeah. They totally rebuilt the roster with veterans. And I said it before the season when people would say, well, Houston's not going to be anything. I said, that's not true. I said, what they've put together is a team that can be competitive right now if Deshaun Watson is the quarterback. Yeah, you did say that. I said it consistently. I believed they could win the AFC South if Deshaun Watson was their quarterback. That was the big if. Of course, he's not. Right. And I think they've they've given themselves some settling in that situation because they know now that they're not trading him until after the year. They don't think he's going to come back and play this year. But they have a they have a veteran team. This is this is the shocker. They are not a young team. No. To be one and eight, they are not a young team, and yet they are starting over. And what's going to allow them to do this? is most of those guys who came in, these vets, are on one-year contracts. Yes. Their team is going to look radically different again in 2022. Right. But they're going to have a bunch of first-round picks. Yep. They can probably go out and get their quarterback. You've talked to Mike Dettelier. Houston's probably going to have either the one or the two pick in the draft. Who are the quarterbacks that Mike Dettelier from the M&D draft report has at the top? Well, it's interesting because he is very adamant that It's not a spectacular year for quarterbacks overall. This is not Trevor Lawrence and then still a couple good ones. This isn't a year where you've got two or three guys who are all kind of top picks. There are some solid guys, a guy like Matt Corral from Ole Miss. He's a guy who's been kind of a part of the Heisman conversation. He's incredibly accurate as a passer, which is a big deal, and he's done a lot of work, like especially in like short to mid-range passes, which is a good thing to have in the National Football League. Someone like Malik Willis from Liberty, he went, he started at Auburn, Auburn yeah. transferred to Liberty. He's a guy that is kind of starting to stir up some attention. And then Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. See, I like Kenny Pickett. Yeah, and he's improved dramatically even in the last year. And so there are guys that are in the conversation Are they your franchise quarterback forever? I don't know. Well, see, if you're them, if you're Houston, okay, let's say you're not sold on any of those guys or anybody else. You can get some pass rushers. You get pass rushers big time, and they they need a pass rusher. Or you could trade down because somebody will value one of these quarterbacks over what they probably are because they just need a quarterback. Right. So you trade from two down to six, get an extra two or three, And then they're going to end up, and I think when they trade Deshaun Watson, I do think they will get at least two number ones for him, at least. Wow. Well, he's that good. He is that good. Now, what what happens with the other stuff? I'm talking about Deshaun Watson as the football player. I'm not getting into the other stuff off the field because I don't know enough about, and nobody does unless you're on the inside, about what's going to happen with the legal case – from a criminal or a civil point of view. I'm just talking about him as a football player. All things being equal, he's going to be traded, and they're going to get multiple number ones for him. And they're going to have a chance to rebuild very quickly. I think Houston, 
especially with a guy like David Culley as the head coach. I think Houston is a team that is still playing hard for their coach because they like him. He's the perfect personality for the situation that they're in. And that's so key. Well, they enjoy coming to work. Right, which is new for them. Apparently, it was not that way with Bill O'Brien. Yes, it was a little more militant is what I have read. And then some of the guys who were really not happy are not there anymore. Which, which happens. Now, their reasons for not being happy may be 100% justified. You know, J.J. Watt was not a happy camper at the end. DeAndre Hopkins was not a happy guy at the end. Deshaun Watson is not a happy person with what's gone on organizationally. Right. And, and again, we don't know what all that is. But I think Houston will have a chance to bounce back very quickly. The danger in them, though, is just what we talked about. It's David Culley. It is the David Cully effect, and that is everybody who knows David Cully talks about what, A, a great human being is, and B, he's just a really good football coach who communicates with people. Most of the people that I know in football can't believe it's taken him this long to get an opportunity. Really? Right. And some think it's just because he's such a nice guy that people went, oh, well, David Cully, he's a good dude, but we'll go get – young zippy whoever who's come up with whatever (laughs) and you know sometimes when you do that you miss somebody who has the ability to be that CEO which is really what a head coach is I, I think a lot of these owners grab offense or defense some of the colleges do the same thing they grab offense or defense they don't take into account the CEO part of it which is such a big part of that head coach job. It's the biggest part. It's not necessarily the football mind, which, of course, you want someone who's a great football mind. But that's also what the staff is for. The staff is kind of the the think tank when it comes to football. The head coach is the facilitator of all this. He's the guy who has his hands in so many other things beyond just the X's and O's of a football game. You need someone who can be a manager, both of people and of logistics. You need someone who is good at managing time. You need someone who is able to communicate both internally and externally. There are so many components of being a head football coach that kind of get lost in the shuffle because you want someone with a good winning record and who's a name that you know because they're some sort of guru of something. Right. But what you really need and the most successful head coaches in my mind, and this is kind of what we're seeing with Mike Vrabel, is he's so good at the managing part Mm -hmm. of it. That's how his brain works. Way above any first-time head coach I've ever been around in any sport. Yeah, I believe that. In any sport. I believe that. I have never seen anybody who came in and got it the way he does. Because here's what happens. I'll give you just a, a sort of a hypothetical example. But so he he does all his football stuff during the day. But he also has to spend some time with the operations guy to talk about, hey, coach, where do you want to stay in New England? Or, hey, coach, we got a problem with something, got a problem uh, with this going forward. Meeting with somebody about our new building and the technology they're going to have in there. Meeting with somebody about something that they're going to do sales-wise. They need his help with sales and ticketing. Meeting with 
the ownership group to just have various conversations with them about things. Worrying about his coach's families, worrying about his own family. Maybe, you know, maybe one of his children has a big event coming up or, or there's someone in his family who's ill and, and needs some assistance in some way. Decisions that you have to make just as a parent or a husband or a son or a brother, whatever. All these things I'm laying out. That's about half of what they go through on a daily basis that doesn't have anything to do with football. Yep. And most guys, maybe women too in terms of being coaches as well, get overwhelmed. Yeah. They lose focus. They become snappy and th- they, they lose their edge in certain areas. They, when they become overwhelmed with the whole CEO routine, then it dramatically changes. That's what you see, I guarantee it, from all these young gurus who fail. They get overwhelmed. Josh McDaniels in Denver is the one, you know, he was the young guru, and he's going to get another chance at some point. But everybody who worked for him in Denver could not believe how he just sort of came unglued, even though he's a smart guy, he's a good football coach. That happens more times than not. Vrabel can handle it. Yeah. Vrabel gets it. I mean, he, he does stuff with his kids. He, he's involved with his wife in different things. He has time for us. You know, I mean, his, his whole thing is just – now, does he seem grumpy? That's how he's all – that's when he's in a good mood. Yeah. That's just <laughs> – that's his default position. That's his <laughs> like, default position. <laughs> that's where it is. That's where Vrabel uh, – no, I mean, we love Mike. And Vrabel's whole thing is he gets it. Yeah. And I think David Culley is that guy in Houston right now. Yeah. I don't know that he will be their long-term answer to take them to greatness. Maybe he will be. We'll see when he has better talent. But like Malarkey was in 2016 and 2017, I think he is 100% the right guy for them right now. And it's the reason that if the Titans go out and stink it up on Sunday, Houston will beat them. Yeah. Because they are playing – for this guy. He has a good staff. Having Lovey Smith as a defensive coordinator scares me to death. He's a really good football coach. Yes, he is. I was around Lovey in 1993 and 1994 at the University of Tennessee before he became Lovey Smith. You know, before he went to the NFL and became the head coach of the Bears and things like that. And I mean, he's a he's a really really good football coach. And they're playing pretty well on defense. They have 13, 14 takeaways. You know, they, they've got a good scheme. I mean, they'll make it hard. Yeah. If, if anybody believes this is going to be 51-2, to two, I'm not giving you coach speak. I mean, the Titans should win the ball game. You go take care of your business. You win this ball game because you're the better football team. But I'm here to tell you that these guys are much more capable and they haven't quit. Now, what will they look like on January 9th? We don't know because that's the end of the road and – do people have their cars packed with their surfboards on top and the engine <laughs> run? I, and that, that does happen. Right. But right now, on November 21st, that ain't happening. And there's nothing more dangerous than a team that's still fighting. Mm-hmm. Because those are guys, they want to play for their coach. They want to play for each other. And uh, that's scary. They're not mailing it in by any stretch of the imagination. So the Tennessee Titans can't mail it in by any stretch of the imagination. And the Titans' magic number right now is four to clinch the AFC South. That's a combination of four Titans wins or Indianapolis losses. Okay. So at that point, the Titans would clinch the AFC South. And the Colts are, you know, they've won two in a row. And 
Five and five. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for the Colts. I still think there's a good chance they're a playoff team regardless. They've got at Buffalo this week, Tampa Bay at Houston. They don't have their bye till December 12th. Then they've got New England at Arizona, Las Vegas, and at Jacksonville. They've still got some teams they got to get through. They got some teams they got to get through, and they don't have a ton of margin for error because if they finish tied with the Titans, the Titans win the division. So, I mean, it's a it's a good situation to be in right now if you're the Titans, if you can keep winning. So if the Titans – when I say the magic number, I know that's a baseball term. But if the Titans win four more games, they win the division no matter what. But if the Colts lose, you know, four games and the Titans don't win another one, the Titans, the Titans win the division. The Titans win no matter what. So it's and, – and that's not going to happen no. either, either way. But – I mean, the bottom line is the Titans are in good position if they keep taking care of their business, and that is the overall challenge this week against the Houston Texans. Take care of your business. Don't open the door for these guys because they've had some difficulties and manage Tyrod Taylor. I mean, Tyrod Taylor has come into Nashville and won before with the Buffalo Bills with his legs. Yep. Because he can really, really run. Yeah, he can. This playoff picture is so interesting to me, Mike, because as you look kind of at the standings within the conference even, there are some teams at the top, and then there's a bunch of teams kind of mushed together in mm-hmm. the middle that are kind of in that could be wild card, could be not, and it all comes down to tiebreakers. I mean, and some of these teams have had buys and things like that. So the Chargers, the Raiders, the Bengals, the Colts, the Browns, and the Broncos are all kind of mushed in that five and four, five and five area right there. And there's so many things that could happen to shake all of that up. Well, here's where the Titans have the advantage in terms of tiebreakers. They lost to Arizona. They're in the other conference. Yep. They lost to the Jets. They're not going to be a playoff team. Nope. So if you keep taking care of your business, even if you don't go undefeated, but if you beat New England, if you beat Pittsburgh, again, if you keep taking care of your business, there is a path towards this. But now's where it gets hard because they start shooting at you. Yeah, this is where the Tennessee Titans now have a target on their back and those teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, you know, but they're also not going to roll over and die. You know what's really fun? Messing up someone else's playoff path. That's really enjoyable. Well, and they all think, too, the Titans have an Achilles heel right now because they can't just go out and pound you with With Derrick Henry. Henry. Right. They think, okay, we can throw them off. We can stop their run game and then maybe give their pass game a hassle. And, you know, they're, they're thinking their defense has given up some plays down the field at different points. You know, they're saying, you know, that's what they're preaching in their meetings is they're saying these guys aren't perfect. And so the Titans have to continue to improve. They have to stay on their game. The thing that I still think, and one of the reasons going back to the conversation early on about this would be the best of times, this team can get better. Oh, yeah. And if they're really going to go win something, they're going to have to get better. Yeah. They've got to run it better. They've got to take care of the plays down the field. They've, they've got to be able to manage their own passing game better. They've done okay. And, and again, these last two games, this is what we expected. We expected some bumps. 
I don't think anybody logically could have said, well, this is all going to turn out just fantastic because you lost a guy who I think was on his way to another 2,000-yard season and was on his way to being a serious MVP candidate. And there's nobody like Derrick Henry. He is – he is the difference. He, you know, he is the guy who is the outlier in that different way. And you, there were going to have to be adjustments. So, you know, you've, you've got to find a way to keep going. Yep. This team, you're 100% right, needs to find ways to continue to improve. And that's what Mike Vrabel has been preaching every step of the way. There has not been a Monday or Sunday after the game press conference or a Monday afternoon press conference where he said, everything's good. We won. Like, this is going really well. No, he consistently has a laundry list of things that he would like to see fixed and improved and adjusted and... But having you, that. But you knew that, you know, there, there are two parts of that. That's 100% true from the quote-unquote negative. Right. That, you know, you've got to get better. But you knew what the Saints game was going to be. Yeah. Oh, you, absolutely. I mean, you knew it was they were going to take you down in the mud and they were – It was going to be a slugfest. You, you were going to have to find a way – because they didn't have Kamara. They don't have Jameis Winston right now. They don't have Michael Thomas at wide receiver. They're in the same boat. But guess what? They have a bunch of pros – they're good on defense. Their coach is amazing. And the Titans got a break or two here and there, took advantage of the breaks, and found a way to win the game. Yeah. On your way to improvement, finding ways to win the game, that's good. Well, see, and that's what Titans fans should be excited about, is that as this team is evolving and getting better and please, Lord, getting some players healthy and returning to the fold. They are finding ways to grind it out and win ball games. They're the guy throwing the last punch every time. Right. And that should be so exciting because underneath the good football, underneath the stars on the roster and the really good players, there's this grit and this drive to just win the dang game. And you're finding dudes. You're finding dudes all over the place. As Coach Mack likes to call them dudes, Nick Westbrook Aquina sat down with me the other day for something we're going to do on TV later. What a great guy. Yeah. What a solid human being this is. What a what an interesting story his is. What his motivations are. Uh, really come through in how he plays the game. He appreciates special teams because he wants to go hit somebody. But he also, and and this is what we talk about sometimes on Titans Radio, particularly in preseason, we say, this guy wants a job. That's the whole thing. Is this guy wants a job. And Nick Westbrook Akina embodies the guy that you say, this guy wants a job. But he's also becoming a pretty good player. He's becoming a nice receiver. He's becoming a big piece on special teams. I mean, you get the feeling that Nick Westbrook-Akina is going to be here for a while. I said it in the preseason, and I, and I really felt it, and and he's proven me right. I thought he was going to be a part of this football team that mattered. Those sorts of guys developing while all this other injury stuff happens, that's a big key right now. And when you sit down with him, you understand that you had Elijah Molden. I had week. Elijah Molden, and that's what I was just thinking about. I had the chance to talk to him, and man, is he smart. He is just a smart dude, and I was so blown away by his ability to kind of bring it back to center, never get super high, never get super low. I mean, his rookie regular season started off tough 
My man had back-to-back games where somebody scored a touchdown yeah, he and got it torched. was his fault. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to come back from, especially as a rookie. Like here you are in this new role. You want to go ball out. You want to prove that you deserve to be here. And boom, twice it happens. But he was able to kind of bring it back to center, keep going. And then what did we see against Jacksonville? He's making a huge play. He sure is. And he has found a way so early in his career to navigate the highs and the lows, not only of an NFL season, but of being a corner, which is something that takes some guys years to do to not get hung up on a play like that. See, what I think is so exciting about this draft class is you've got Molden and Monty Rice in the third round. Rashad Weaver would be helping this team had he not gotten hurt. Yeah, I mean, 100%. He, he would be helping this team. Racy McMath was doing a nice job, and then he got hurt. Here's Des Fitzpatrick rising to the occasion. We're going to see more of Des Fitzpatrick going forward this season at wide receiver. Raidens is doing fine in the offensive line. He's just not quite ready coming out of North Dakota State. He's going to be just fine. He will be a starter for this team. And I think Caleb Farley is going to be – a star, I think you will see him in year two do what Christian Fulton has done in year two. Because there was nobody this offseason going, oh, well, Christian Fulton, that's going to be. That's going to be a big one. But it was, <laughs> it was like Christian Fulton was a draft pick this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what Farley is going to end up being like. I think this draft class, the 2019 draft class, looks awfully special right now. And I think the 2021 draft class is going to end up being – very deep and very special for this organization going forward. Well, and it's going to need to be because of just what we talked about earlier, that's how tough this division is going to get. You and I both commented on it, golly, in the spring. Right. That these guys seem different. Right. They seemed more mature. They seemed more insightful, kind of very focused. They seemed like adults. And, and they, you don't always get that with rookies. No. You no, don't always get a group no. of rookies and say, these are grown-ups. But the other part of it, too, is they got to have an off-season program. Exactly, which puts them ahead of that 2020 class that just kind of walked in <laughs> and right. w- had Zoom meetings and then showed up to the field and played. Well, it's like we met Molden. You got to talk with Molden, and I've met him, too. This was the first time I really got to meet Nick Westbrook-Akina because he was part of that, even though he was undrafted, he was part of that 2020 group. Right. There are so many people on this team, Mike, that you and I still haven't sat down and talked to. Right. We just haven't had the chance because they're, we're still living in a COVID world. I talked to Mo- Morgan Cox, who joined this team in the off season, First time we had met. Hi, how are you doing? My name's Amy. Nice to meet you. Like It had been that long of a time, at which seems so strange, but... We just hadn't interacted since he's been here. COVID's going to be an interesting story oh. in the next few weeks. I ah, mean, COVID. Obviously, the Aaron Rodgers story ended up being bigger because of how he handled it and what a lightning rod he is for, for people publicly because he's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But the real story in our world is he missed a big game. Right. He, he was out of a game. And they lost. And they lost. Ben Roethlisberger, out of a game, they tie. Even for vaccinated players, COVID is coming back in this country. We're moving inside. We're moving into cold weather. We're seeing it in other places. I think guys missing games down the stretch, unfortunately for teams, is going to end up being a factor as as it looks like we're – I mean, if you read the news and you, and you hear the scientists talk about it, it feels like we're going to – 
And we kind of knew it would happen when we all moved back inside as well. Yeah, and as COVID cases go up just across the country, let's face it, NFL football players live in the country. Sure. <laughs> like, they don't just exist within the confines of where they are working out, their facilities, their their fields, all of that stuff. As teams are moving inside more just for practice and weather and things like that, guys are also going home, mm-hmm. and they're spending more time indoors with their families, with their kids who, who are, are going – who are not all vaccinated and yet. going to school? Right, right. Nasty little petri dishes. All of the children. Mm-hmm. They all and they bring home everything anyway. Anyway, yeah. So you've got flu season. You've got COVID. You've got whatever nasty stomach, stomach bugs that go around. I mean, if anyone comes at me with a stomach virus, I want them to go home just as much as if they have COVID. Oh yeah. Like, ugh, no, no, thank you. Don't want it. So all of those things are going to start coming into play, and we're already seeing the league adjust to that. Right. And they, yeah, they're going to up the mask mandate thing around Thanksgiving. Even vaccinated players are going to have to wear masks November 25th through December 1st. But it's going to be something to watch. Do you wake up on a Thursday and suddenly somebody is out who you didn't anticipate being out in these important situations? It's going to be something to watch. It was not much to watch early in the year, but it has picked up recently and I think it's going to pick up even more, unfortunately, as we, we head down the stretch. So something to watch. And then you've got the guys who are unvaccinated yeah. who fall under a different protocol, even if they encounter someone as a close contact. If you're vaccinated and you're a close contact, no problem. If you're unvaccinated, what is it, five days? It's five days, and it's not a negotiable five days. Right. It's, it's five days getting tested every day hoping that you don't and you're home. pop a positive, but right. you're staying at home. Yeah, and that's that's a frustrating thing for a lot of those guys that are unvaccinated because they're not sick. But right. the possibility of you getting sick is so much greater. So it's better to just stay at home for the five days. But, it, I mean, if you're a close contact on a Thursday or a Friday, you're not playing on Sunday. We talked a lot of ball here on this OTP. We did talk a lot of ball lot, on this a lot OTP. Of big, a lot of big things. Mm-hmm. So it reminds you that uh, Titans Radio's Titans Countdown with Amy Wells and Rep Bryan hits the air at 11 a.m. Central on Sunday. That's on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville and all the Titans radio stations around the region. And there are a lot of them, and we uh, appreciate all that they do for us. Uh, kickoff is set for noon. Titans and the Houston Texans. Meeting number 39. Wow. 39. This is the 20th year the two teams have played. The other thing we didn't talk about, too, is Houston would rather beat Tennessee than anybody. Oh, yeah. So for them, I mean, in terms of motivation, coming off a bye, still playing for David Culley, and for their ownership group and their city, you know, it's not really talked about much here anymore. But it is still talked it's about still there. Talked about, and I don't think it's talked about as much down there. I don't know. They were really unhappy about our Oilers week. They really didn't enjoy that. Well, I but, get it. Yeah, I mean, be, I guess. Yeah, but we sad were, for them. It's but not we my were, problem. We were the Oilers. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't feel bad at all. Yeah, Sorry. Is, <laughs> that was us. Yeah. That wasn't anybody. I mean, we... That's in our But I think they're a little salty, and I think they would enjoy coming here and beating them. But we won't let that happen. That's the plan. Yeah. That is 100% the plan. This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. 
Let the experts at Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it when you need great health care coverage at a price you can afford. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Have they done – they're the sponsor of your podcast, the Titans Amy Coach Mac podcast. Are you really giving away bobbleheads again? We're giving away bobbleheads again. Tis the season. Ho, ho, ho. We are so approaching, what do you have to do? We are approaching the holiday season. You know, Mike, we're going to pull some switcheroos. We've done a couple different things, so tune in to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast to find out how you can win one. We're doing some things a little bit different because it's the holidays, and I want to make sure that people can win them, but I also want to make sure that they are listening to the podcast because we work very hard on it, and there's a lot of stuff in there that I really think people will enjoy. We don't give away anything on this podcast. No, we never have, and I really think that that has been a, a, a sore spot. Is, is that why it's not more successful because we don't give away stuff? Because <laughs> people need, don't like, know it exists? I feel so like that's... we need like magnets or coasters there you or go. something. Like... Well, I'll never forget. So when I was working in Knoxville for the radio station that I was, which was the news talk station in the building, we had the big FM station that was the country music station that was really popular. And then we had the little news talk station. And I complained consistently that they never promoted it. Right. So what they did for us is the first item that they had as a giveaway were ice scrapers. Yeah. We were giving them away in June. No. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Maybe we need some OTP ice scrapers. Uh, Well, it would be nice right now. (laughs) Or snow shovels. Yeah, it would be nice right now. That would be great. But I I went to the promotions person and said, really? Seriously? So I'm out at a remote (laughs) at Dale's Winning Edge Golf Shop. And I'm giving away ice scrapers, so uh, needless to say, I didn't you win didn't a lot of well. friends within our building <laughs> when I complained on the air about I, – I, it ended up being a big joke. And the funny thing is people came and got them because we made it into a joke. Yeah, because it was ridiculous. Uh-huh, because it's like, hey, here's what you need on June 23rd. An ice scraper. It's 164 degrees here in East <laughs> Tennessee. Let me get you an ice scraper. Well, see, here's the thing. So the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast is giving away the hottest Christmas gift of the year. The bobblehead. The elusive bobbleheads. And you know what? People really go crazy. People really go crazy for them. It sounds like I'm being a little overinflated because it's my show. You are, and you you do. But it really is something that people stop me all the time and say, hey, I want a bobblehead. I have, like, close friends from high school calling me saying, can I buy one from you? I had somebody ask me if they could buy one of your bobbleheads. Yeah. I mean, I can be bought, but like, (laughs) I prefer if you just listen to the show. But I think that Mike Keith, we need a giveaway on this show. Maybe like a pool float or something. A pool float. Yeah, because it's November. (laughs) Yeah, because it's November. That would be great. eh? (laughs) A little inner tube. A noodle. A pool noodle. Yes. Something to think about. That, hey, but we could make it into a thing. If we, we always c- If we get that, we'll make it into a thing. Yep. For Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. Thanks for taking 49 minutes and joining us for the OT. Welcome to the big show where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee. Making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.